There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. I was just telling Jackson. Oh, my headphones work. I was just telling Jackson. HomeLoanExpert.com Studios, Tim McCurran Show, QFTA, August 7th, 2023. That this could be a dangerous QFTA. This might be the end of my career, QFTA. Ooh, that's a good start. This is a good tease. I like this off the right It's setting a bar really high. But I, I, I'm a live wire. And if over all fucking things, conference realignment, but it's not what you think about conference realignment. As in, like, I'm not like, these poor kids. I'm. What set me off was I'm tired of, you know what, I think at my core, I think it's social media. I actually think that's the thing that, because I, I, I feel like you can trace so many of the things that, that bother me mm-hmm. to social media. Yeah. That that I think is, I think if we were to psychoanalyze, Jackson brought up in the now sponsored Angry Beaver, Little Piddles Weekend Wrap Up, just 20 minutes up, probably at this point 40 minutes ago, on 101 ESPN. It's 11.14 Central as we're talking. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz's three minutes on conference realignment. And what he said in a in a bubble, I agree with. And he was saying how people don't think about the kids and the adults get to move. And it was it was textbook. Like if, if he were speaking at the RNC or the DNC conventions, there'd be like, you know, standing ovations. Because it sounds good, but then it's like it's not really tending to anything. And this isn't about Eli Drinkwitz. This could have been anybody. As I said to Jackson during the commercial break, it was about it could be Nick Saban. It could be whoever the hell you hold in high esteem or has the juice in college football or college basketball, whatever. But then it became good for Eli Drinkwitz. A good because then it gets retweeted and likes and likes and likes and likes and likes. And my issue is, it's not Eli Drinkwitz, and not that what he said in principle I disagree with. It's that it's 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 like bait. Anthony Jeselnik does a little bit uh, about. Uh, I think actually I saw him being interviewed, maybe, and he was being he wasn't being his comedic self. He was actually really, you know, and he's clearly an intelligent guy. Uh, and I think he said something about. I think what he was talking about is the state of comedy is only a handful of people are comfortable kind of going into certain areas because comedy or maybe late night TV has become the equivalent of tweeting out, I don't like racism. Mm-hmm. In other words, give me my likes. It's not really, it's not brave. Right, right. Or the one I like to, to, to boil it down to St. Louis, if you're in the mood to get some likes, tweet out something about how Stan Kroenke's a jack-off or something along those lines. And so, I, and I, and I don't know, I, I, I was surprised, I, I, because I, I don't know, I'm in a good place in that I don't really, I don't want to say I don't care because that isn't accurate, but I can read whatever. And I think it's great that you at 25 are there. I say that so often because I think it's so wonderful. If you, Once you get to the place, we're all seeking Doug Vaughn Nirvana. We are. Um, and I, I don't think I'm a Doug Vaughn Nirvana per se, but I'm just like, yeah, whatever. As I said, here's $100, write something in to piss me off. I want to see if I can get pissed off. Um, but I'm like, I'll look at the text to see if people are disagreeing with what I'm saying. 
Uh, and oftentimes when I'm on 101, it's, it, it'd be a lot like Rachel Maddow speaking at CPAC. But I, I went in there and I was like, oh, they, they appreciate what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. A lot of people did. And, I, and that's great. I didn't do it to get appreciated. I just did it because that's what I think. And what I think is, is so much of where we are, and I would say, and I don't think that this is something that you just say every 10 years or something. I really do believe in my lifetime, this is, as I've said, winter is coming. And mm-hmm. I still think, by the way, winter is coming. Uh, that where we are, take your pick, whether you want to go politically, geopolitically, socioeconomically, um, meanness, what some would call stupidity is just somebody having a totally different set of facts than the person who's calling that person stupid and then vice versa. Uh, take, I think kids deal with it. I'm not talking about the children. I'm talking about like kids in school, what they deal with because of social media. And I really put that, and I think that's what lit my fire. Your question was a great question. You're not thinking I'm, I'm like mad toward you, are you? No. Okay. But yeah, I'm like, fuck, I'm really worked up. And it's been 40 minutes. And I think I think that's at the root of it. Because I, it, it bothers me and I don't really know what the way out is. And that is, and that is, I think, I'm, I'm, I'm having a moment of self-realization here. I think that's what the hot button shit is. And I also think there's probably something personal because I've been on the receiving end of this stuff. You know, so it's not as idealistic as it may sound because I've been on the I've been on the receiving end of the mob mm-hmm. uh, I've been on the receiving end of you know things that are said about me that I know aren't true but it, it's like there's no point in even attempting you know you apologize your apology gets judged and you're still motherfucked it doesn't matter you just can't you can't win mm-hmm. and I just think the thing is so gross and I think it then lifts up the people who are quote good on social media but oftentimes the people who are good on social media aren't really the best and brightest or the problem solvers. Right. And that is, and so I feel like it's kind of, and in a way television was perhaps social media before social media. In other words, and I, by the way, I totally understand it. You couldn't look like, I don't know who you want, like Sam Donaldson's career is a miracle. And I realize that you probably have no idea who Sam Donaldson is. Okay. He was an anchor in the eighties on ABC. He had a Gene Cady comb over, you know, just a unique looking cat. Sure. He may have been the greatest journalist. He must have been one of the greatest <laughs> journalists alive, actually. Like, I don't know if Walter Cronkite could get hired down. He's, he predates both of us. Yeah, not in the You know what I mean? State. Right. But news was way different back then. And so what I'm saying is, like, the, the, quote, best and brightest as far as journalists weren't going to get the television jobs, but that's where people were getting their information was television. Mm-hmm. It was who looked the best or who looks the best now. And now, where does the information come? The people who can get off the good shit on, the quote-unquote good shit on social media. And that's where the information and the opinion shaping comes from. But I also think some of the initial hatred I received were from people who are probably, I would guess, certainly older. This is back in the very beginning of The Morning Grind and TMA. And I don't really like myself at the beginning of The Morning Grind. Um, And socially conservative, probably religious uh, like American Christianity religious, I mean, because I think there's a difference. And, uh, and and then saw me as a threat because my opinions clashed with theirs and saw that I was getting a following, and so then I had to be condemned. So maybe, but it's not about, it, it's about the dis- dishonesty. That's the thing. Like, I don't, I don't see 
brilliant thought shapers emerging on social media. I see dumb, mean shit. Your Andy Richter pin tweet thing. Mm-hmm. Now is a great time in American history to be dumb and mean. Is that what it was? That what the yeah. tweet is? I've yeah. asked you three thousand times. That's who is getting the juice. Yep. And so that concerns me. Not really for me. Right. It ain't gonna impact me. I'm kind of like you know whatever. I'm you know I'm, I'm, I'm it's done. I, I, it concerns me just really kind of for the direction of of uh, society, and I suppose as, as, a, as a parent, but I think even if I didn't have kids, I think I would feel this way, just because sure. I see it, and my kids don't deal with it. They're five and they're one. But, like, I think, like, if if one of us had a 14-year-old, and I think it starts earlier than that, Oh yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and then much less, you know, who gets elected and how policy gets decided, and all, if it's taking, it, taking politics out of it, I know that executives with businesses follow the social media wind blowing and that's how people get whacked i just i just think it's i think it stifles intellectual discussion and taking intellectual out of it because i know intellectual can be a hot button word but it stifles honesty it stifles honesty and it stifles actual progress or having tough conversations because tough conversations oftentimes require saying things that aren't necessarily fun or friendly Mm -hmm. so it's it's great to me that that I could have this kind of thing on balloon party today. And I just figured I'd open up the text inbox. Fuck off. What's going to happen with Zach Thompson? You know, that's what I figured it was going to be. <laughs> right. And I'm like, Oh, the people like this. So anyway, I'm, that's what, that we're coming off of this, off of that into QFTA. Uh, Jackson, we have a hard out of a, essentially 1230. It's 1123 now. Um, because I have somebody coming to my house. Uh, so uh, that's good news for you because I can't go four hours. Mm-hmm. And we got some good questions, too, for QFTA. What's on your mind? I've, I've just been going off on a tangent here. Well, I guess I can kind of piggyback off of what, what you, you got? were talking I, I'm about. I'm curious what you think. Yeah, because I have had a, a long-running going, long running thesis, and I think it affects... Oh, what do you have? I like a thesis. It's simple as this, and I'll explain it more in detail, but it's a really simple, is that money compromises art. Simple as that. The art in this case is sports. Money compromised sports. If we could have a perfect world where money didn't have that, the baseball season would be a lot shorter. Um, I like that. Conference Conferences would be geographically based and wouldn't matter. But that's just not how the current world works. But that's, I mean, it, you can look at any industry. Like, money compromises art. You can't, if you make a beautiful TV show or movie, but the corporation wants this certain thing in there and they have final say... There is a, a live that that is money compromising art because it needs to make more money. I have an even f- like you can go even deeper and deeper and deeper into this, but like the way the college football is working right now, they're based on money. It's based on money. It, money is what makes the world go around at the current moment, and that is the case. So when that happens, you are not going to get the most pure fo- form of art, which would be Pac-12 stays as it is, Big Ten stays as it is. That would be the perfect world, but that's not the world that we currently live in. The playing field was not created by the people who made the decisions to move Oregon to the Big Ten or move UW to the Big Ten and so on and so forth. That was the playing field that was given to them. Mm -hmm. They have to act in in the right sense for their university. University cannot lose money or they de- certainly don't want to lose money. If there's an option for them not to lose money, they will take that 100 times out of 100 because that is the way it's given. But that is our is a society at the moment, is that money 
compromises art. You can't have the purest form of art if money is involved because money changes how people make decisions. I agree with your premise. I don't know who would disagree with the premise, but I agree with your premise. And then you cite some examples, and I think you're right on target. Yeah. Right. So that is the case. So I do, like, the, the core message that Eli Drinkwitz said, I believe is accurate. I believe that— Oh, yeah. I don't, th- I don't think anybody would dispute what Eli Drinkwitz said. No. But Eli Drinkwitz is a benefit of the society that— But I don't fault Eli Drinkwitz for that no, either. No, never. Neither do you. Neither no. Do you Any college football coach is in that system. And so when you hear them say like that— the fact that we make what we make, you know— to do what we do, mm-hmm. and and I, I sign that this this is like an applause line thing, but I really do feel this way. Mm-hmm. I hear what teachers make. I mean, holy shit! It's a shame. And I, I mean, and this this really does sound like like I'm sending out a tweet right now to get some likes. But I mean, I really do think this way. I've said this to my wife privately. This would sound like a liberal thing, I guess. I have no fucking idea. When we just had one. Now, granted, our five year old was you know as active as he is now then so i think we were probably dealing with you know an extreme set of circumstances um i wouldn't have it any other way can't get enough of the guy and i know you've hung out with him too but um i remember saying to my wife i go i cannot imagine a a single mother who makes thirty thousand dollars a year maybe if she's lucky yeah and has three kids and then, and then, then you can see how the domino effect of the likelihood of those kids experiencing some semblance of "quote unquote" success, whether that be financial happiness, you know, the domino effect, and then they, of course, have children, and then, and then you know, you essentially have unintentional caste systems in the United States. In other words, socioeconomic situations that most people are born into and stay, unless they either really excel or if they're born with a great situation, really fuck up, and. You know, I, I think about that element of it, and I go, yeah, I wonder who would disagree with that. But then at the same time, if you were to say that, they go, well, you know, then you shouldn't be having kids. You know, and, and then you go into these things that right. aren't necessarily realistic. Cycle. But then those are applause lines as well, and there's right. got to be some, you know, abstinence and social responsibility. And, you know, that's the importance of a presence of a father or whatever, and all these things. And we can talk about these things, but then they aren't necessarily realistic. Like, yeah, you know, I, like I, I'm sitting here with no hat on. I'd love to have a lovely head of hair like you. How about that? I just said you have a lovely head of hair. How does that feel? Oh, wonderful. What a Monday. <laughs> but it ain't going to happen right. unless I go to your guy at... Uh, St. Louis Harris Fashion. Which I'm thinking about doing. God, you look good with it. Do you think so? I don't know. I've seen pictures of you with hair. Sharp-looking cat, huh? Sharp-looking cat. Banging him two at a time. Not to say that you, because I'm telling you, with the beard, it's a, it's a you That's can you can be confidently bald mm. with a great beard. I think if I think it's it'd be interesting if I were doing this, because when I shaved my head, I had a significant other, and so I was just like, yeah, I'm just gonna do it. But I wonder if I would have done it as confidently if I were single. Hmm. No, I, I don't, don't think you would have. I, I don't. Th- I don't think I, I would have either. Because it's a bold move. God, it's all about that uh, Propecia. Yeah. And I, maybe I wouldn't have stopped taking Propecia in the first place, and it'd yeah. be good. Are you taking that? Oh, yeah. And but it's called Finasteride now. It, Finasteride is just the, the generic, generic form. Yeah. yeah. It's all the same stuff, um, which I also learned alopecia, of course, is the loss of hair. So Propecia is, is, the, is the gaining of I hair. I did not know that. Neither did the people at St. Louis Hair Restoration. I blew their minds wow, off of that one. Wow, you yeah. went in there and you schooled them. Yeah, that's just, Look well, I'm follically uh, inclined. Yeah, but you're in a good spot now because you're aware of it. You're going to have a full, when you're 46... Yeah. You're going to have a full head of hair. Sure hope so. There's no doubt not in my mind. So here's the thing. If I might have it in a year. <laughs> if you're going to be bald with mm-hmm. no beard, I mean, you got. if you're going to be bald, you have to have one, you have to have great beard 
or a really good body. Dark skin tone. Dark skin tone helps, but like Jason Statham. Now, the one guy who can pull it all off. Oh, who's this? Stanley Tucci. No hair. It's interesting. No beard. But you know what? Here's the thing. I'm going to throw the breaking ball at you, and you know what? You're going to agree with it. You're going to say, nice breaking ball. I tip my cap. Yeah. Glasses. Glasses. Huge. Huge, huge. Name me, name me a white man. A white man with our kind of skin tone. I guess I'm slightly darker than you, but it's not like I'm, you know, right. George Hamilton here. Uh, a white man who's got the bald thing going like I do, with no facial hair, no glasses, and is considered to be attractive. Statham. Jason Statham would be the one. And so, but but His then he, but he's got that. Okay, yeah. so we got to add that into the mix. That's another. Yeah, I don't know, like a skinny. No right. glasses. It's a tough spot. The thing about the glasses, though, is you can just put on glasses. Like right. it would just be easy. Like I'll just put on glasses. Well, if one side of your skull makes it so the glasses look like they're, you know, <laughs> right. shooting a gun. I think maybe Tucci has that, and he's uh, he's. Oh, corrected. does he really? No, because he's got muscles too. Stanley Tucci does. Really? For a guy in his 60s. I was about to say, isn't he in his 60s? I mean, yeah, I tip for, my cap. He's huge on go TikTok. 64. Really? And, like, it's, like, unintentional boomer 62. TikTok where, like, they'll start the videos, like, is it on? And then he'll, like, <laughs> yeah. talk about food, and people can't get enough of it. Really? And I have to say, I'm in that camp. I think it's great. See, I do that kind of TikTok. He's just, like, making pasta with his young, attractive uh, British wife, and it just blows so up on TikTok. He's married to Felicity Blunt. Yes, who's very attractive. Might be the sister of Emily Blunt. I believe it's oh, Emily Blunt. Oh, is Blunt's that right? That would make sense. They were in a Devil Earth product. She looks a lot like Emily Blunt. She does. I'm looking at her. Oh, yeah, yeah, I wow, think they might be sisters. So she's huh. obviously Emily married to John Krasinski, and then Felicity married to... Uh, that is correct. Emily Blunt is her sister. Yeah, Felicity married to Stanley Tucci. Um, two classically handsome gentlemen just on different sides of uh, the classically handsome side. I assume he's a smaller gentleman. I bet he's like 5'10", because she's pretty tall. The, I'm going to take the under on Stanley Tucci height. I'm going to go 5'10", is my final answer. 5'ten. <sighs> you want to bet 10 bucks on the under? Yeah, sure. 5'8". Five, 5'8", five, damn it. I always go I'll under. Let, I'll let you get it back if you want. Yeah. By the way, this reminds me of something. While I was pissing, I was thinking this. I mean, I'm really, this is this is what I'm- firing. I know, but I'm firing on dumb shit. Well, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you, James Carlton. <laughs> James Carlton, I don't think he'd mind me saying this. James Carlton I, is a QFTA lemming. Yeah. He. I may have said this last week, because uh, I don't think I'd say it on TMA, because then it would, it would come off the wrong way since Doug the Plowhawk and a year in there, and I wouldn't intend to say it this way. Uh, but he had an eight-hour flight, and he's like, hey, can you do more QFTAs? I got to, uh, God bless you. Um, but uh, James Carlton, uh, the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, QFTA lemming, so I'll make sure I let the people know he's my guy, and I am so happy I have made the switch to James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. And then we were talking a little golf when he was in today, and um, I told him that I had a, uh, I had a good score, number one, uh, I think I told you this. Mm-hmm. I shot 67, which is my all-time best. That's one under par where I play. Um, I still almost don't really know how that happened. I had three birdies and two bogeys, and it was just all pars. It wasn't like it was nuts, and right. it wasn't like I was rolling in or chipping in crap. It just was just rocks out. It was kind of boring, but it was nuts. I just don't do that. My median score there is probably like 74. Mm-hmm. So right now I'm like a 2.6 index, and I'm just bloody. But I played a gentleman. I won't name the name. We both love him. You've played against him. He, like me, is very comfortable firing a wager. Okay. I think I know who you're yes. talking about. And I won what for me is, a, you know, this is, you know, I'm not, not like I'm, you know, $10 million here, but I'm, <laughs> I'm usually, you know, a, a healthy amount of money this past, I guess, Saturday. 
Now, he had taken an, uh, about a third of that away from me the previous week, so it was a rematch. That's what I'm saying. You'll get a chance to get your $10 back. But my thought was, while I was pissing, and because I was talking with James Carlton, not while I was pissing, but earlier in the morning, and I shot, like, I think a 76 or 75 and one. It just shows he played poorly. Right, right. And it struck me, this is the truth. I would rather go out and shoot a 67 or even not something that's my low. Let's say 68, 69, even or one over. Mm-hmm. And lose, not necessarily how much I won, but maybe about half of that. Mm-hmm. Then shoot a bad round and, make and win that much money. Right. Now, is that fucked up? Depends on what, like, your situation is in general in life. Like, if you are a, like... Yeah, well, I mean, it wasn't life-changing money. That no, was a nice amount not. of money. Of course not. No, but nobody's out when the people I'm playing with are they're playing with what they can't afford. Looking at it through that lens, no, I think if you're... It just depends on, like, what you're... Like, if you're trying to achieve as much as you can in the game of golf, then shooting a low score should prioritize over anything you do. That's where I am. Right. So it was so weird that I got done, and I was kind of on tilt. And then when he Venmoed it to me, I'm like, oh, that's nice. But I still was like, God, I got to work on this. I, for some reason, I was like blocking my gap wedge, which is usually like my, yeah, yeah I mean, it's, you know, that's, that's going to be within 15 feet at the worst. And just missing the green from like 115 yards and just going, what the fuck, you know? And that, that, and I couldn't help but think about that. And it struck me, God, I won this. And is that weird and i would imagine most people listening would go you won now i'm not giving the dollar number because it could turn into a thing no win situation 100 percent. but one what was a nice amount of money certainly but i wasn't in a good place i mean not in a good place is overstating it but i was irritated because i in my mind played poorly yeah it's a it's a process over result mindset and i think but if i you think are more to... people would be in the opposite camp of me but then at the same time more people aren't necessarily on whatever mission i'm on i don't even know what my mission is i have no idea it's not like there's like an end game but that's the that's the that's what makes golf beautiful is that yeah. there is no end game there is no perfection there is no i guess know. i'd like to get to scratch right and then i bet a lot of the guys who are scratch who i play with are like there's no way this motherfucker's a scratch golfer but the thing is i can go out and shoot 67 and i can shoot 80 right i got a wide delta sure and i, I think most golfers do uh, I think people who are. But really- I think scratch golfers don't have the eighty in them. You see, it's like that one had the Fred Friedman guy that <laughs> he had shot eighty five. Well. Yeah, that shot eighty five from the white tees at Gateway, and we're just like, that's not that's not mathematic. Like Skip Berkmeyer was texting me while we were talking. He goes, "This is not possible." He right. goes, "It's not possible for a scratch golfer to shoot eighty five from the white tees at Gateway." No, it would be quite difficult. I could. I mean, it'd be like one out of a, you know, 50 situation, but mm. I could, but I'm not a scratch golfer. So I am, it's like you were saying, you're like an eight right now. 8.7. And you're like, right now you are financially vulnerable. Yeah. Depending on the course, I could be like a real problem to have out there. Yes. And I'm 2.6. It was 2.1. And I know right now I'm financially vulnerable. But yeah. what do you do? Not enter the fucking score? Right. You know, yeah, you that's the be process. Honest. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we got some good questions here, QFT. I always send them in. More and more people are sending them in, which is wonderful. That also means I don't get to them all. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. T-M-C-K-E-R-N-N at InsideSTL.com. What's going on with you? Before I go to I just this is kind of like where I get to get to figure out where you are. Sure. I think you got some kind of female interest. That's what I think's going on. Yeah. Okay, I'm right. Uh, I think you're in a good place. I didn't know you were moving until you busted that out on Balloon Party. Yeah, yeah. It's it's such like a minor thing because like I'm just moving 
to a different apartment, which is still on the hill. So it's not really- Like out of a different building, though? Yeah, so uh, it's, a li- it's a little bit cheaper, which is what I wanted. It's it's uh, I see. similar size, and I'm getting a really good deal on it. And you're uh, making more money, though. You're not doing this for financial reasons. If so, I would have a problem with that. Well, I'm doing it because I want to have more. It's not that I'm like financially, like really pigeonholed, but I want to have more spending money. Like I want. Well, this is smart. Yeah, I want less. You're money. managing the bottom line, even right. if the top line is healthy. Right. If you want more spending money. The quickest way to do that is reduce costs. I'm telling you, I got to do that. I really do got to do that. Yeah. Just, I'm just reducing costs. Like, I'm reducing costs across the board just because I want more money to spend with. Because, like, uh, I have, like, a bachelor party coming up in February, and, uh, you know, I want to go up to Chicago and Columbia for the weekends and stuff. And, like, I'd rather have more money in that situation than tied up in rent on Smart. an apartment. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's a move in that sense. It's not like I'm, like I said, not like I'm like, oh, boy, I'm rubbing two nickels together. But I am trying to have more pocket money and save more, too. And so the best way to do that is reduce costs. So this is a, a cost reduction method, and it's also still a great apartment in a great area. So yeah. I have a compadre who I know I've made reference to uh, on, on the podcast, probably not on TMA, certainly not on Bloom Party, who um, built something, sold it in his 30s, and has basically retired and just invests now. Um, great guy super smart guy and you know he says what happens because I, I i like i like hearing the psychology it's like i remember one times edmund edmonds was saying um he goes what people don't realize and then we can't say it because nobody wants to hear it is when we retire and most guys retire not retire they just are done because right. they get yeah. cut or dfa or whatever but when we retire so if you retire that means you got to your mid to late 30s and got to play and and if you're a ball player that means you probably made at this point now nine figures or close to it he goes we still have more than half our lives left we don't have to work Mm -hmm. and so what guys deal with is boredom yep and then they also have and then obviously most of them didn't go deep into school sure they were great athletes but that doesn't mean that they're great money managers and so they also have to dodge spending the money getting into bad investments case by case and so what my friend said who i don't know what i have no idea what his balance sheet looks like but you know he's obviously in a good spot he goes the mindset becomes once you have that happen if you do have the hashtag wealth event you then don't want to become like the horror stories you hear and usually you may know a couple of the guys who made it but then they didn't manage the expenses and then they lost it all. Oh, yeah. A famous one in music is MC Hammer. Yep. But um, in business, like, yeah, you, you might be worth, you know, some absurd amount of money. But then if you blow through it all because you're like, oh, well, now I'm untouchable. Right. And you don't manage it, then all of a sudden you're bust. And you become the guy who made whatever, let's call it $100 million, who lost all his money. So then you become like, not only, now are you not only fucked, you become a punchline. And so it's one of those things that... It's so great. Once again, I'm so happy for you that Thank you're you. learning this at mm-hmm. 25. Right. That it doesn't matter what you make if you're if you're living above your means. Right. I had a, fr- a friend of mine who's uh, who's actually talking about investing in uh, in Sound Story. Um, and we were on the phone a week or two ago, and he was saying, um, he goes, "You'd be amazed because he's involved in the golf community," and he goes, "You'd be amazed." by how many people 
because one of their one of his businesses responsibilities is has to do with golf communities country clubs whatever courses how many people who have memberships are behind on their memberships he goes it is more than half and i go you got to be kidding me Jeez. he goes it's unbelievable yeah and this is a, this is a national thing this isn't a st louis thing uh he go, i go i get a statement i pay it i go i don't know if that makes me a mark he goes no that you're just responsible he goes but you'd be so surprised how many people are carrying debt for something that is obviously right you know, not a essential recreational luxury yeah. and i i just like that, that that's just not how i think now i am certainly not as um i monitor i mean i'm i, I run but i mean you know me and my spreadsheets budgets yeah. and quicken and all that shit but i certainly wasn't doing that at 25 i wasn't doing that at 35 right and what you realize is how much money you spend where you go, God, I could, and it's essentially just like if you're saving $50, it's the equivalent of making $50. It might not be as, quote, glamorous, but it's actually better than making $50 because you're not going to have taxes on that 50 that you just, quote, made by Xing out something that you don't need. Right. And so it's... It's just, it's a great mindset. And so often, in, in my experience, anyway, the people who really have money aren't certainly not the flashy ones, shit, at least around St. Louis. But, but, but secondarily, they're just great managers of what they have. And they don't get in a spot, take your pick of whatever way that they, they overextend themselves. Yeah. I am somebody who overextended myself. Right. So, you know, albeit 16 years ago with a house, but fuck without question played a role in my divorce without question sure. just dumb and, I, and it's the thing that's why i talk about we talk about mark Hanna, evergreenstl.com i say it i'm not just doing it for the spot first off i just think mark's a great guy number one i mean if i thought he was a shitbag but a great money manager i don't think i'd say this stuff but he's a great guy and i think he's a great money manager um as well i i lean on him uh 314-889-0503 or go online at evergreenstl.com if i had a financial advisor I'd never buy that house in 2007. Certainly, it was a bad beat. I bought it in 2007 no for those who are yeah. aware of what wound up happening in the ensuing couple of years. But still, I, I didn't. I couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. Now, I did the old, well, I make this, and she makes this, and then you do 2.5x, and shit, we can get this rate because the people are getting houses, you know, as you saw in the big short, a perfect example, even though you didn't live it. You, you've seen that movie. You're a fan, right? No, it's I've on seen the it good so, factor. So many right. times, yeah. Genius I mean, storytelling. 100% really is. And I look back and I go, my God. And it probably, I'm still feeling the effects of it, I'm sure, to an extent, because I buy a house for X and then I sold it for shit, man. I don't even know what the math is. You know, minus 20% of X? Yeah. How about that? That's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. And I was I was 30. I, you just look back on it and it's not like my parents weren't involved in my life. It's just nobody... You know, it's on me. I don't blame anybody else. But I'm just saying, if you have a financial advisor, you just don't do that shit. Yeah. And so I love that you were like, yeah, you know, I had to move, but it's less money. And even though you're doing well for 25, now you're going to have more because you're managing the expenses. It's right. just, I love hearing that. Appreciate it. And I also, there's it's a- It's just so fucking smart and it's even better that you got it at 25. Yeah. I appreciate that. And I also like, you know, like you said, like just kind of make, it's like you make more. And also something I did and then something I would suggest to people to do, uh, I just went on a subscription purge. I looked at my oh. bank statement from last month. 
And I looked at all these subscriptions Jackson I had, everybody. and I was like, he's all grown up, and he's all grown up. I was up. like, what do we not need? And you know, this is how subscriptions get you. It's like, oh, eight dollars a did month. You, how did you conduct your subscription purge? So there was obvious ones that I was like, all right, don't need that anymore. Browsers. Don't need that. Yeah, browsers and you know, all, Slade. All these OnlyFans accounts that I'm subscribed to. You kept like, Blacked, but you got rid of Blacked Raw. Why? Right. Well, I I thought the content was overly similar. There was a lot of overlap, and I was like, I can get the same bang for my buck. Right. No pun intended. Right. Out of Blacked. Um, <laughs> over blacked raw, um, but more so like just like streaming services or like other like crap that like you don't even think about that you're subscribed to. It's like so I cleared out and four or five of save? those, like legitimately seventy dollars a month. Wow! And so you that's time, a grand a year. How that's what I'm do? saying. Like so, an, I would much rather like and some some of them were tough. Like I didn't want to get rid of Paramount Plus. But shit, I did yeah. because I haven't watched anything yeah, on there since the offer. I might do that today, and I don't don't need it. Like I don't need that. And I'm need the this. asshole with Spectrum and YouTube TV. That one is that's a wild one. And honestly, I can't. I will talk about the money on this one. It, I think it is. What is YouTube TV? I think like really sixty bucks like a month. Oh, I'm spending more than that. It's probably also the number of. What you're subscribed yeah, to? I mean, the baseline know, is probably four people 50, in the house, 60, and then yeah. the, but we got the movie channels which we never fucking watch, right? Because I can just have that on Netflix, Max. HBO Max, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, if they were like you have to, you can only use. And this is not like by any means a plug for HBO Max, even though Warner Brothers hit us up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they'd love to invest, but Absolutely. like if I were to like, they're like, you can only have one streaming service. I would, it would be HBO Max, and it wouldn't even be a sweat. I like that play. It wouldn't even be a sweat. I like that play. Yeah, like I now am I on my own. Play. I'm on my own Netflix account. It was a big adult moment for me when uh, Netflix cracked down on password sharing, and they uh, can no longer yeah. be on my parents. That was big for Netflix, actually. Huge. They, they, they brought in some money. Huge for them, and I did it. And next month, I might do another subscription purge, and Netflix might be on the chopping block. Wow! I just I, I I I have it for like Seinfeld and like some other stuff, but like I don't. But there's also the last great thing that you got on Netflix. Oh, my watch, my wife is always watching it, but I feel like they're like you know they fem- s- female Daisy Chain shows, right? Like the shows aren't what get me. It's like if a big name director like does mm-hmm. a movie with them, and I need to like I have to say like David Fincher's God. most recent movie came out on Netflix. Uh, Adam McKay, who we just mentioned, did Don't Look Up, which only came out on Netflix. So there is a quarterback is a Netflix thing. So they do have uh, yeah, that's, some that's very good. valuable that property. Yeah. But like all in all, like if I had to cut out, like I've pretty much cut out Hulu. I've cut out Paramount Plus. If it was just Max, I'd be totally cool with We're that. We're watching the bear on Hulu, so I wouldn't get rid of that one at the moment. God, if I did this, I think I'd be. You'd 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 think you'd think like oh I'll miss this having it, but you no, really. I, but I got all kinds of other stuff. Some of it kind of overlaps for whether it be the business or sound story so it's kind of a, an overlap thing but yeah i just i it, it's that that's why i love hearing you think this way right because it's the healthy way to think and right. it's not just it's not the way that people use i don't think people usually think oh i'm making more money therefore i will spend more right it's and sure to an extent i just think it's so and i just don't I, maybe i'm wrong because i went into the industry that i went into which certainly was not pro math mm-hmm. as in journalism uh and for whatever reason, for in my father certainly, as the as the child of a, a mother who went through the depression, and was uh, you know second generation Irish, which is weird as it is to sound, was you know not uh, all welcoming back in the day, um, was so cognizant of financial you know expenditures 
But for whatever reason, and I think my siblings are, but for whatever reason, I'm just, no, I'll make it. Well, that means I can spend it just like a fucking moron. And I look back on that and I just should be in a much better spot than I am in. If I would have been, th- God, if I would have been thinking like you, I would have had my condominium paid off by the time I sold that in 2007. Right. I mean, all these things, it just, it just, I just fucked around. So I'm happy to hear that. All right, what do we got here from the people? Email in. We haven't gotten an erotic story in a while. That's pissing me off. I see nothing but men emailing in. (laughs) Uh, All right, what do we got here? Hey, Tim, I'm just going from newest to oldest. Uh, Hey, Tim, listening listening to the last podcast about your biggest regrets led me to think about the inverse. I thought the regrets wasn't necessarily regrets so much as dumb stuff. Yeah, stuff you wish, putts you wish you had back. Yeah. Uh, but either way, okay. Uh, hey, Tim, listening to the last podcast about your biggest regrets or dumb stuff that we've done led me to think about the inverse. What are the moments in your lives, Jackson included, that you're most proud of? Could be business-related, personal, relationship-focused, overcoming adversity, etc. I think the difference between the two responses will be as vast as the regret slash dumb thing question from last week. Thanks. That's from Big tough don't use my government name please now here's i like this uh the the issue on it is i feel like it could come off as like a brag right yeah i'm I'm thinking of my answer i don't know if it'll come off as that but i mean i could things can be misconstrued but we were asked we were asked this isn't like you know right we can only give out the information what people do with it and how they feel about it is not our prerogative yeah amen and uh, what do you, you do the thumb. And then you do uh, the thumb thing. Right. Uh, for me, it, it's kind of weird because it's like you would think they're like opposites, but I do think that they are two of the best decisions I ever made in my life. First one is deciding to go to the Florida Gulf Coast University and pursue this golf management degree. Uh, and then the second would be making the decision to transfer to the University of Missouri. Both, for me, took courage on the part because I did not know anybody going down there. I was doing it because I truly believe it's what I wanted to do. And what did you think you wanted to do when you went to FGCU? I wanted to become a golf professional. And then... And like, so like the guy who works in the shop? Yeah. Teaching pro, head pro. How about that? That's what I... I mean, I really, I don't feel like I've really dug into, yeah. Dug into that, yeah. It's what I wanted to do. It's what I thought would be best What was like the lowest of your numbers ever been? Uh, like a seven or six okay. when I was like my spring going down there, I was as good as I've ever been in my life. That's when I hit, I'm getting emotional. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're only an eight now. It's not like it's been falling off that badly. Well, shrub is in my mouth. That's when uh, I ate a shrub in your mouth. I had a little one. Wow. That's when I had my oh. one ace was when I was down there and it yeah. was like, it was a buck 85. I was hitting six iron. Oh, oh my God. To go back to those days. What the fuck? I know. It was <laughs> some, some bads happened to him. Um, mm. But that was like, but I also, my decision to transfer because I knew in the long run I was making the right decision for me. And this is also another, I, I hate to like be like, how courageous was I? But like, I was going to a school, transferring, which is always some, you know, you're switching everything up you know about college and moving into a house where I didn't know anybody. And so I, and I did, and now I have friends in there. Oh, yeah, forever. that's probably a big deal after you're being a sophomore doing that. Yeah, living in, people thought I was a pledge, but I was like, no, I live, sure. in, I live in room 10. Uh, <laughs> so that was probably very confusing for them. But regardless, like knowing my situation, like being able to like have the foresight to be like, I know that they'll be hard in the moment, but I can, I know it'll work out for me in the long wow. run. And so both of those things, and I have friends from Fort Gulf Coast that I love, and I got to spend a year down there miles and miles, thousands of miles away from home. That was a big deal for me. You know, that was a big step. I had never really lived outside of St. Louis. I had never been further than 
a hundred feet from people who I know and mm. love. So it's like, it was a big, big thing for me. Uh, so having the wherewithal to do both of that. And then also like, it's again, sounds like not very courageous, but having like the nuts to just be like, you know what, I'm going to email Tim because I heard this thing about Gangster Pete. And, you know, it was totally a, a not a Hail Mary by any chance, but like, you know, it was a long shot, and I was just like, fuck it, I'm going to do right. it. Right, so, but I mean, like when you run the analytics, so to speak, on that, what's the downside? Exactly, that, and that's what had okay. to come. But, the, you know, as a, I, I would say, like, by nature, I'm a tad shy, and so, uh, but once I get comfortable, I get a lot more personable. And so to do that, to me, was like a big step, and then to, you know, keep pursuing it was also, and at the time, you know, I'm working for jobs, and <laughs> nothing was appearing. Right. So, again, what's the downside? Uh, so just kind of being able like, swallowing your pride in a sense and just like doing something like closing your eyes stepping forward and doing I wonder it if i still have that email i, I there's know. a chance i mean i like don't delete anything yeah probably I, came from my gmail account let's see I, okay i got a jackson burkett file it'd be deep in oh there oh my god i found it november 2020 yeah holy shit I don't know what you say in here if you talk about how hot I am in the right, yeah. embarrassing for you. It's like, yeah, really. November 24th, 2020, 1226 p.m. Yeah. 12.26? So you guys would have been done with the show for like... Like, I mean, I feel like we're in the middle of it. I mean, you, you've been on these fucking things with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like 12... It's about to be 12.26 or in 20 minutes. Yeah, I mean, if for real. Uh, uh, it's a pretty lengthy email, too. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I had to put myself out there. How about that? Yeah, so like doing stuff I'm like that. This is the first time I've looked to see if I have it, but yeah, I mean, I, there's no way I would have deleted it. Yeah, wow. just kind of like being like stepping essentially like on the proverbial plank and like putting yourself out there. I think like so many times that we're conditioned to be like, let's do something that we're comfortable with. But when you step out of that side of that, the stuff that you can achieve, knowing that you can also not achieve that and possibly face in your mind, it's always worse in your mind, some form of humiliation. Wow, you came up with the ideas here, Jackson. Yeah, I don't know how many of those are Yeah, but, I, mean, but, a lot, but I, I get that, but then there's also oftentimes reasons why things no aren't yeah. implemented. Yeah. You're talking about, like, the merchandise, and certainly there's, you know, reasons why uh, things can and can't happen that, sure. you know, might not be publicly out there. But uh, point being... From my standpoint, see, I'm not looking at it going, oh, yeah, you said you were going to do this. Right, right, right. It's that you took the time to come up with ideas right. when I didn't say, I need ideas, that that to me conveyed to me, this isn't somebody saying, you know, I know I'd be great at it, just right. give me a shot. Right. Because I, you know, not to say that I've received a thousand of those, but I bet I've received a hundred plus of those. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean... It's 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 long, and I'm not mocking it. It's long. It's just I haven't gone back to look at it. Um, I have a strong work ethic and a creative mind, both of which I would use to do the best work I possibly can. You guys have created such a great program, backed by a strong community. My hopes would be to continue it for years to come and help it evolve. Thank you for hearing me out, regardless of what happens. I will always be a TMA fan and supporter. Have a great day, sir. Jackson Burkett. Wow, what a moment. Yeah. What a moment that email is. Yeah. Shout out to the copy desk of Ellen Futterman for doing, taking out all the typos and uh, grammatical oh, errors. She, 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 so she reviewed it before you sent it? 100%. I mean, the, the timing on this, if this were a court hearing, I'd say, how is this possible? She worked diligently, yeah. Anytime I, if I come to her with like a and paper And the reason being, for those who aren't aware, just so, like, I, like I did the QFTA with Pete. Gangster Pete. This is 1226. Mm -hmm. Now, I guess we didn't have balloon party then, which means no. we could have been done at like realistically 1130, I suppose, mm -hmm. on the like, must have been a short one. 
uh, and then Pete would have posted it, let's say, within to up by 11.45. Jackson sends the email at 12.26. Yeah. And I do know it was relative. Like, I remember getting it and going, holy shit, you know? Right. And I would love to say, like, this was old Jackie boy, like, just, like, being so prudent. But it was because another TMA and Tim McCurney show addict, my guy who I've talked about plenty, private citizen Pete, texted me immediately and was like, yo, they're looking for an executive producer. That? You should you should throw your hat in this. So I listened and I was like, oh, okay. And I fired up the email. God, I guess we must have talked about it at the very beginning because the podcast itself couldn't have possibly been sure. It would have for sure been up. If I remember, I actually do think I remember listening. It was like right at the beginning. Yeah. So it, it wasn't like I like was like deep into it by the time I heard. But I yeah. mean, as huge as it was for you, it's huge for me too. I know it might, you know, I mean, I, we, I sit here and I blow you every week, but uh yeah, I mean it's a it's a significant thing. Big moment. Like, d- dead serious. Like I was thinking. I mean, not TMA. I mean, this isn't any. I, well, when you are, when you and KG aren't around next week or two weeks, when you're in Las Vegas for three shows, hmm. yeah, it's gonna be a little different. And then it's and then th- something's inevitably gonna happen. Oh, yeah. And whether it's anybody's fault or not, it doesn't matter. And then what's gonna happen is all hell's gonna break loose with the Plowhawk and Iggy. You know, motherfucking the audience. <laughs> I mean, I can already tell you what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And then I got to go down the hallway, so I've got my own shit. You know, <laughs> I'm sure we all have sound stories. Uh, Peter Rep might be on the board on <laughs> For sound real? story, and then uh, and then I go down. I was thinking to myself, like I love, I can bullshit with, I bullshit with anybody. I'm more comfortable bullshitting with some people than others. But your questions for balloon party have made me enjoy balloon party i suppose mm-hmm. for lack of a better term because now i can i can do what it is that i like doug is the, the greatest two guard in the history of the game yes yes indeed he is but it does but he would be the first one to say and he has said to me privately not that we spend a lot of time talking about the show but just the one time that hadley said yeah i think i'm gonna work on building the dougie v's brand <laughs> a great and sense. i remember thinking to myself this guy just has will have no interest unless right. unless you give him money. That's that's what moves Doug, yeah. you know. And hey, God bless him by the way. I don't blame him. But I mean, it's like for his brand, he just couldn't care any less, and he could, he wouldn't care any less if he was thirty five, mm-hmm. much less you know later in his career. Um, that th- th- I remember Doug saying, you know, I'm not Joe Buck, I'm not Bob Costas, and then he included me, and they're not including me in it. But like people who can just talk, right? That's not who he is. He goes, I know who I am, and I know what I do, and I'm like. Oh my God! I just wanted to like, as as a broadcaster, because most people have this delusions of grandeur. Oh my! I don't even know if it's delusions of grandeur. I think they can do everything. Like there's not like I sit here like 100 percent certain if the Cardinals needed me to call the game tonight, I would kill it. Now I honest, I'm dead serious. I honestly believe that. Now if the Blues said in two months we need you to call, you know John Kelly's out, I'd be like not, no way in hell, couldn't <laughs> right. do it. I couldn't do what Mike Kelly does with Missouri, even though I'm a fan of all of these teams. Mm -hmm. Cardinals, there's not a doubt in my mind. But I might be out of my fucking mind, you know? Mm -hmm. My point being, and there's plenty of broadcasters who couldn't do shit, but who, you know, get mad when they don't get jobs. And so here is Doug getting an opportunity, and this is probably four years ago when this conversation happened. And he's like, no, I know what I am, and that's not what I do. Getting back to you in Balloon Party... I guess I'm the, quote, point guy on the show, but I'm set up on Balloon Party because of your question. So essentially, you're more the one on Balloon Party, even though you're not bringing it in and out of break. Right. But you're getting it to me. Like, I would have never done the, con- I wouldn't even have bothered doing the conference realignment thing. It wasn't on my mind to even talk about it on there. 
you know, mm-hmm. on TMA. I, you included the Eli Drinkwitz thing in the sound today. Right. And I'm like, I don't want to do this because I'm like, I, I know what it's going to turn into a bunch of different ways. And also, I didn't think it was like that great because I felt like it wasn't like it's it's again, it's I hate racism, you know, right. that but I, it's not a shot at Drinkwitz. But then I know what would happen. People who are hardcore Missouri fans who think the show's anti-Drinkwitz say you're only saying this because it's anti-Drinkwitz. If right. Brett Bielma would have said it, everybody would be falling all over themselves or something like that. You watched the hand play out before it happened. Because <sighs> I've played the fucking game so long, right. you know, and that's why I get bored by when people who haven't played it tell me how to play the game. You know, it's like, fuck off. Do you really think you know better than me? Honestly, like I could show up at your job and know what you do. Right. But I can't say that. On this show, I'll say it. Fuck off. You don't know. <laughs> Nobody can do it better than me. Sorry. Fuck off. So for whatever reason, when you brought it up there, I was sitting there thinking to myself, I'm like, God, do I want to do this? And I'm like, yeah, I do. And I'm glad I did because Absolutely. it's honestly what I think. But if I couldn't have said the same thing that I said on Balloon Party on TMA, which may sound fucked up, but part of it is there's so many voices in the room. Yep. It somehow would have gone some other direction, and you're laughing and nodding because you know exactly I what I mean. I think of eight different directions <laughs> right. it could have gone. And that's the thing. And there's no way I would have had enough time without, right. you know, something happening <laughs> <laughs> you're right. to get out everything that I wanted to say. Like, you were, you were actually looking at me. Now, you might not have been paying attention because I know you go into your thing, but I think you were paying attention. You were at least feigning interest in what I was saying. Okay, good at that. Okay, yeah, you got it. Because you sit here for three hours on these fucking podcasts and have to deal with it. And I'm like, okay, he's engaged. Maybe the audience is engaged. I really do feel strongly about it, but I don't feel strongly about Eli Drinkwitz. I feel strongly about bullshit. Right. And social media. And big picture topics. Yes, that's what gets me going. Right. And so, yeah, I would, if I would have, I would have, I would have eventually like, after getting maybe 45 seconds out of what I probably did, which was maybe 12 minutes out on uh, on Balloon Party, I would have gotten maybe 45 seconds out on TMA before it would have gone one of the eight directions. And then I would have decided and, you know, right. seen if Ella Reese's Ella ass Reese. has gotten better, yeah. you know. And, which, you know. <laughs> I think it has. She right. looks better. Uh, so, yeah, that. so it's interesting how different topics – are made for different shows. It's true. So it's kind of nice. Yeah, it's absolutely true. You know, like, and if we were to break down a pie chart of my income, you know, I mean, for real, I don't know. I'd love to give the numbers out because it would really be eye-opening to the audience. (laughs) (laughs) But I think like 98% is TMA. You know, I don't know. 1% is this and 1% is Balloon Party. I think that's the math. But I enjoy having them all because I can kind of, un- I don't, it's not like I choreograph it in the morning. I go, okay, we'll do this here, we'll do that here. Fuck, I just read this guy's question, you know, for the second time. I remember getting it when he sent it. He sent it yesterday, so that's why it was fresh in my mind. Uh, and that's, I didn't think of it that way, but it is kind of nice. And then if I, if I were to do the conference realignment thing on TMA, there'd be a portion of the audience be like, let's get back to Iggy's In-N-Out Burger. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It's, it is nice with the three shows that we have lanes and avenues for different things like tma is its own thing it's yeah, hard yeah, to describe yeah. but it is Bloom and it Park, just it's, 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 it's oh, a yeah. blue chip stock and you just go well, yeah and i'm sure everybody at hubbard's going oh, we don't fucking understand it but it works and their audience is great and their advertisers are great and they're loyal so we just let's just go and not fuck with it and that is that was my message going in mm-hmm. and also when we were dealing with stuff at kfns like hey you got something that you're gonna make money on Everybody, you know, 
almost to, you know, in the show's history with maybe a couple of exceptions. For real. I mean, we're talking about when it gets down to when you include board operators, producers. I mean, I realize there's only been, quote, unquote, four hosts, but Mm -hmm. I never view it through everybody has a role. Right, right. You know, uh, so with Martin, the cat, Doug, and myself, but, I mean, I'd view you as a host. I'd view Plowick as a host. I'd view Iggy as a host. I'd view producer Joe as a host. So whatever. you talk, you're a, yeah. Yeah, everybody's on the show is going to talk. Like, Seymour just didn't want to, not because he's like, I'm not talking. It's just like, I'm more of a producer. It's just not who I am. Point being, we've had really good people on it. Don't cause shit. For the almost entirety, like, if there have been 100 people on the show, and I don't think there's been that many, maybe one or two had some off-air stuff. Either way, you just, you just let the, you get, you get one of those things. I guarantee we just saw Tommy Matter and walk down the hallway. If you get one of those things, you just go, I'm not touching it. Yeah. Just let me the let fuck him, let out him cook. Of the way. So that's how I view TMA. It's like, yeah, I mean, sometimes I'm like, okay, you know, I'm not going to talk about what necessarily engages me here or this is ridiculous or, you know, it's, it's not necessarily, you know, whatever it, either way it works mm-hmm. and so and i the, the five motherfuckers on it and if you want to include cage you know town i love these guys you know mm-hmm. as much as you can love co-workers so let's just you know why fuck with it no but doubt. then i am able to fulfill the other shit whether i want to talk about other topics you know whatever they are here i can talk about anything um which i love and i can talk how i really 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 talk here and then balloon party, interestingly enough, but because of your questions, right? That's the key. If I walked in there, literally getting off the air for real, sometimes thirty seconds, <laughs> sometimes less, and then you go, okay, five seconds, because you got to stop me and Rockio from talking. That's yeah. essentially what or the point Randy. of that is. Or Randy, yeah. Uh, occasionally, Carrie or Brooke, and that's your way of saying, hey, we got a little show to do here. Right. And then, and then I had to go, and I had to go. Okay, Cardinals play the Rock. Like I'm trying to think if I had to do balloon party right now without your questions. Yeah. Gomber talk. Oh, Gomber talk. I'd be like, I'd say to Tommy, like, is, I'll give you guys money. Can I get <laughs> Can I get off balloon party? Because right. I just, I really, it's just, right. you know, I just can't do it, you know. Um, so that is so huge. Mm-hmm. And then you, you know, this has become the I Blow Jackson podcast. <laughs> but I'm not intending it for it to be. And I know the audience already appreciates you, so I'm not, like, trying to sell you to the audience. It's just, like, your email, you say it's significant for you, but I think about how significant it was, whether it be me individually or, you know, I'm sure Doug appreciates you. Doug just kind of goes about his job and, you know, doesn't, you know, he's Paul Goldschmidt. You know, he's going to perform and he's just... Silver slugger. Yeah, and you just don't have to worry about it. But, I mean, how important it was, for real, for absolutely real. It's a significant thing. And I, for whatever reason, because sometimes I'll go back and look at emails. I don't know why, because I have them all saved. It's fun. I have some great... I have some from the 90s, man. 90s? The 90s. Wasn't there a class that you dropped because of uh, the email requirement? Wasn't there a classy drop? <laughs> no, a class in Mizzou that you dropped because oh, of the email 100%. requirement. 100%. Well, that was like 90. That was probably 96, though. I mean, that's not that. I remember sitting at KOMU, which is the television station, um, at which did you, you didn't work there, did you? you no, you were I wasn't even in journalism yeah, school. But some people who weren't in journalism would oh, really? go out there and just to. Go, I know um, where it is. Far. Yeah, down 63, yeah. Um, I guess, towards Jeff City, if memory serves. Yeah, it's the, you take it uh, south. I love it. It was my favorite time doing television. I mean, I didn't make any money, but it was, I mean, I'm fucking a bunch of people, and that's great. And uh, Working with Gabe. 
working with a colonel, uh-huh. and like our sports group was. But Brian Nooner was the sports director, and I still have this email saved. This would kind of be a dig me email, but it also would kind of give you an idea of where I was. I mean, I'm going. Way, I mean, I don't know if we have enough time for me to scroll back. I mean, now we're in 2015. It's all in this one fucking file. God, I mean, what was I doing? I mean, I see the names that I scroll through. Is I mean, there's one from Bill DeWitt the Third. What we were talking about. God, that was 2012. Jeez. And then a bunch of employment agreement. I don't even know which company this was with. <laughs> I mean, you know, holy yeah. shit. I mean, it's good they have a record of all this stuff. That I do it because I'm just so certain in particular. I'm not even going to get into why. <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah, why. I do. Uh, but it's great that, like, all this stuff is, like, saved. And you don't have to, like, like hit save on it, you know? Like, it's just saved, right. like, in the account, which is so cool. Because I do sometimes go back and read old emails or, like, old messages and stuff. And it is interesting. I mean, it's. I'm trying to get to it. I think I, 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 maybe it. Oh, don't tell me it's gone now. I'd be heartbroken. Oh fuck me. No, it was from Brian Nooner, who was the sports director, and he sent it out to the whole staff, and that which was an uncommon thing. God damn it, man, that actually bothers me. It, like I don't know why two. I, like I'd have 2011, and then everything else would be gone. Yeah, unless they did. Unless. The, the, the hotmail was just like hey, right, enough. <laughs> no one's using this anymore, anyways. I'm I'm truly heartbroken, because my mom sent one the day before. It was like on my birthday when I was in Little Rock, so I was just turning 23, and I asked for this recipe. And anytime I would see that email, I would remember that night my world would be fucked, rocked. That was the night of the. I said jacked up and the oh yeah yeah, the, yeah, yeah you yeah. know yeah. Tammy Faye Baker down there. <laughs> Thought that I was making references to jacking off on the sportscast. You know, I've got to communicate with my people in Little Rock and let them know I'm still with them and I'm for jacking off. Because everyone knows the best place to work blue is local television. Uh, in the South. (laughs) God, is this gone? Oh, my my oldest email is from producer Joe and the Nonling. I'm sure it was something great, though. God, holy shit. Yeah, it's a, it's a, what a what a fucking trip, but I can't believe that they're gone. I can't believe that these emails are gone. I'm heartbroken. That anyway, sucks. what a side uh, side note here. Anyway, what he emailed was something along the lines of, and it, which, but I mean, I guess we're being asked to brag, so we'll do it. But I mean, the point being that I've been kind of like this. Going that was 1999. I guess I was leaving KOMU, and he said, I just want to call attention to somebody who was the same off the air as they were on the air, and it led to multiple opportunities, and it should be a lesson because all these people are students and they're Mm -hmm. looking for jobs to be yourself on the air. But I am lucky that KOMU truly could have gone. I mean, we joke about my first sports cast, but I mean, like if John Kiowski today, who's the market manager, called him general manager, but market manager means he's managing all these properties in St. Louis for Hubbard. Casey, 105.7 The Point, 101 ESPN, TMA is now in that category. 1065 the arch and WIL were to call me after a show okay and now I'm 46 and I've done God only knows this thing for 19 years and go hey we need to talk about what you said on the air that would I I you know right I'd pay attention right of course in 1998 I said on balloon party today it was September 8th 1998 I'm wrong about that because that was the night McGuire hit 62 which is why I must have been thinking September 8th so Missouri played Kansas probably like, I think McGuire did that. I think that was a Monday night. So that means my first sports cast was September 6th, 1998, I believe, or September 13th, 1998. Either way, and I get off the air, and the GM is waiting for me on hold, saying, hey, 
hey, Tim, I'm Tom Gray. We haven't had a chance to meet, but I just watched your sportscast, and I think what he said is, we don't do that crap here. I think that's what he said. And I'm just, I think I was on such a high because I was able to do it. Right, right. Not even thinking about the crazy shit that I said. Yeah. Like, I didn't freeze on the anchor desk. Right. I, I didn't stumble over the scripts. I ad-libbed when I'm looking at the highlights. You know, you're not reading that. You're just, you know, sure. the shot sheets telling you what What's happens. What's going on, right. You know, and I think and you can picture Gabe, since you know Gabe, and he's he he hands me whatever the hell you hand. I don't know what the hell. He, I just remember you standing. He goes, well, that was uh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> the colonel. <laughs> and that was 25 years ago. And I remember when it was five years so my fifth anniversary of that, going, I can't believe that was five years ago. Right. And now it's been 25 fucking years, man. But anyway, if the GM is saying, like, like he could have just gone, yeah, you're done. I mean, I said some crazy shit. <laughs> like shit I would not, if I came over, he said, hey, come back and do a sports cat first. I wouldn't do it. But secondly, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't go down the whole road I went in 1998. That guy could have gone, you're done, dude. Right. You don't, you know... Say the shit that you like. I mean, you know, like it was all benign, but it was, you know, mocking the Jayhawk. It was, you know, I apologize that we had to show women's tennis highlights, uh, you know, mocking. Yeah, right. I mean, it was all stuff you wouldn't, if you I wouldn't 100% say it off the air, right? But that I just took it on the air and I said that shit. And no, and there was no like guard, like I just went, right. Like it, like in a way, like people, I'm like, that's great that you did that, but it's dumb as fuck, you know. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I'm trying to say. Right. And I haven't had, and I don't know when the last time I've had, like something for something I said. Somebody say, hey, I mean for real, they didn't do it at KFNS. I mean, we can talk about how weird the situation was, yeah. using a very vague word, but nobody said, you know, you can't say that. Right. And then, you know, we were kind of in control of our own shit at 920. We were caffing us before. Now, I had a guy trying to get me to say shit, to try to get me, to get, you know, suicide mission um, with my career with Dan Marshall. Because he would send me emails during the show to piss me off. Um, yeah, man. It's my point being, it's been a while. And that happened within a minute of me getting off the anchor desk of my first sports cast. Yeah, well, that'll, that'll shape your, the rest of your career, definitely, because that makes you think to be cognizant of, like, not of the things you say. But, but I didn't care. The th- what stands out to me is that I didn't care. That's what stands Even out Even after me. the phone call? No, I thought, it, I remember thinking, because I just watched Private Parts in oh, 1997. Yeah. It was a W for you then. 100%. Right. I'm like, this is great. Right. When I hit it big, I'll be talking about how right. the GM called me and said i can't say that shit right, honestly i know that's what i was thinking i can picture where i was in our shitty little sports office but i had more fun than any place in and i'm thinking this is great this will be part of that like i mean fuck off like, <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm already arrogant yeah and gabe be interested i don't know if gabe i mean gabe remembers it be interesting to have him on and talk about it um because, yeah, I should. I really should have just been like, I can't, I can't fire a student, but they can say we can't have this guy on the air. But I mean, essentially, he was saying, you better not do that shit again. Right. And it wasn't like it wasn't like, yeah, I'd like to bang her. It wasn't like that. Right. But, but it's, still, like, I think one of the Kansas cheerleaders was heavy, and I brought attention to it. Yeah, yeah. So they would call that off-color humor. I think I might have compared her glutes to Zach Abrams or something. But no, he was with Missouri later. I don't know. I'd like to get that tape. 
I would do. Because I don't great. fucking care anymore. Right. But like for probably the first ten years afterwards, I'm like, God, this thing needs to can't see the light of day. <laughs> for sure. Now I'd be like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Look back. Twenty five years ago today. Holy shit. Yeah. God. I don't know. So yeah, that was twenty yeah, that was September. I think it was September. Missouri played when here. Look it up. I always act like we can't find this information. That's what Doug does when Iggy asks one of those questions. <laughs> right. So great. That laptop I got him. Or I didn't get it. I always set it up. Missouri, Kansas, 1998. And Missouri was damn good, by the way. God. Devin West. God, so what are you, like five months old? Uh, yeah, it's September of 98. Yeah, a little more. You type Missouri, Kansas, 1998, guess what comes up? Basketball. Damn That's straight. just the, the way that it was. 1998 Missouri Tigers schedule and results. This is going to be, I'll be able to finally give. Uh, it was September 12th, 1998. They won 41-23. And Missouri's ranked 25th. How about that? Love that. Um, and Devin West was this great running back. Big guy, man. Uh, and he ran for, I don't know what the hell he ran for. I thought the box, can't find the box. Gold for like pants, I yards. 100% gold pants. Had to be. Uh, K-State got Northern Illinois that day, 73-7. to They clipped them. Oh, that boy. was the day of when, back in the day, schools would do that shit. It's very rare now. Like, even Saban kind of takes off. Like, he'll, he'll fuck you, but he, he like, kind of fucks you within reason. And then he starts just running. It's that one game against, like, the Citadel where he's where like, he well, maybe we'll get the under yeah, going. Yeah, or something interesting. Hey, everybody, happens. I don't know. We're gonna, the offense might be uh, trying some stuff out. It's interesting to see the teams that were ranked where they were ranked. Yeah, that was the year K-State got to number one, and they were losing in Columbia at halftime in November. That was a great one. All right, anyway, Jackson, I haven't answered the question here. I'm uh, just sitting over here casting your private parts movie in my head. What role are you going to be? Oh, boy, who would who could portray me? Who could bring truth to my role? For you, I would— well, Who's going to be me? So, obviously, in private parts, Stern plays himself, but I'm not operating under that assumption. I'm going to say somebody, and people are going to be like, oh, Billy Le- D. Williams. Lemming, yeah, because when I see Billy D. Williams, I think Tim McKernan. Um, but someone who could bring real truth and bring wow, that energy. Wow, this is going to be interesting, because apparently it's going to be a compliment. It's going to be a compliment. Wow, what do we People got? are going to take it the wrong way, but I just think he's a fantastic actor. Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. Wow, I was you could have given me a hundred guesses. I don't I, think I would have real, been Ryan Gosling. I really Gosling. think Ryan Gosling. You're gonna catch hell for that, just so you know. I know, but I, I true. I people, but real Gosling heads will know that he has the talent. Real Gosling heads will know that he has the talent. I might ask this to be cut out and played for Doug tomorrow on the show. That's fine. He'll, he'll, That's fine. Like, Doug's not a guy. Go- Doug, John Lithgow. <laughs> yeah, Lithgow, obviously. Yeah. Who plays Ken? What era of Ken, though? <laughs> We're talking like today's era, Ken. And again, I'm gonna say something, and this is gonna this is gonna come yeah. off as like, oh, you're being an asshole to Iggy, but oh, I'm not. No, so you call guy get Gosling, and now what are you gonna do? When I'm looking at this, I'm not necessarily looking at like perfect like matches with like appearance, because then you're not gonna get the right movie. I'm gonna say somebody, and this person is immensely talented and would bring a lot of truth to the role, and that would be Danny DeVito. Oh boy, it'd be Danny DeVito. DeVito could bring out Ken. Uh, now, since you're just casting it, who's going to play the Plowhawk? Plowhawk, uh, uh, younger cat. Uh, give me, uh, like, uh, his name's Lucas Hedges. He's been a real art house uh, darling over the last— That's going to get little Judy Suckins texting in. Oh, no, change that. Michael Sarah. Michael Sarah, 100%. That, I think, is the right answer, Michael Sarah, because he could bring that Plowsy's kind of humor, because I think Michael Sarah might be the funniest human being in the 21st century. And 35 he, years old. He nice. could play He could play Plowhawk. So I'll, Michael Sarah can play him, and then uh, Eisenberg can go for me. 
even though they've been competing for the well, same this thing, role. This thing's been... Uh... Yeah, so that would be the TMA side of it, but there's so many more. Like, who would play Producer Joe? It's like so much... I really have a lot of fun In with In my story, at one point, do, do we open the film with the guy beating off at the end of my bed? Yeah, God, who would play that? I have to get some poor sucker to do that. That's actually when you stunt cast somebody. <laughs> That's like when you stunt cast, like, the real Producer Joe plays it. And then, like, in the director's commentary, it's like, that's actually producer Joe right there beating <laughs> off at the end of the bed. Or Gangster Peters. Or Deebs. That's when we bring Deebs out. Deebs is now in. So I had to force him with Deebs. That's the story. As well, the story in this goes. film, yeah. Oh, God. Wow, what a treat. Who would have thought this question, which was asking for our, what yeah. was it? Our, our, our moments in our lives our, that are most proud of. Yeah. Okay, so that one of the th- I remember thinking this, and this, was a, this goes back to the uh, Tammy Faye Baker in Little Rock. The night after that happened, which at the time, like I joke about it now, but when I'm happening and I'm 22, 23 years old and my career just started, I mean, shit, it's a year after my first sports cast. This is September of 99, my first sports cast, as we now know, September 12th, 1998. I mean, I'm just starting and I'm now pulled off the anchor desk for something I was not guilty of. Mm-hmm. Now, everybody's always not guilty, but I truly was not guilty. I mean, shit, that right. me up to whatever. I mean, I don't even think I'm really on there going, yeah, let me weave in a jack-off thing here. And what am I going to do? I don't have a contract. I moved all of my shit there. If I get fired from there, it doesn't matter what my side of the story is. Places aren't going to want to hire me. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's a pivotal thing. Hundred percent, man. There's yeah. hundred hundreds of guys who want the job I have, even in Little Rock. I never am working in St. Louis. In in what was I working in St. Louis in six months? If I get if she whacks me. So I mean, as much as I mock that situation. You know, I am grateful she didn't whack me, although I didn't do anything wrong, so I shouldn't even have been in the spot I was in. Either way, if she really thought I was doing that, she could have whacked me. I think she didn't whack me because I didn't have a contract. We ought to have her on. We have the girl I had all the threesomes and foursomes with on, and then we'll have my general manager from Little Rock. Same episode. This is things are starting to happen on this podcast, yeah. and I really want Bill to wait the third on. I might bring an interview back for that because I really want to do it that. It sounds like just one big round table, all present. Bill the third, the girl I had all the threesomes and foursomes with, wasn't a significant other and my general manager in 1999 from Little Rock. Yep. They're all, all going to be in studio yeah, it'd be next like, week. It'd be like Bill Maher, like where they have like three or four different people, different interests. Well, I'll tell you when he does that and I can tell like when he has a dumb on <laughs> and I'll turn to Anna Ray and she go, oh boy, you don't like him or her. And I go, yeah, this is going to be rough. This yeah. is going to be, this is going to be a rough one. That show's just gone because of the writer's strike. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Writers, uh, actors. Millions. I, mean, I, I don't feel like that's getting as much attention as it should. Yeah. So, I mean, is that because we're in the summer and like when shows, people are used to shows cranking up in the fall and they're not there? Is that when we're going to get a lot of attention? I think, I think, yeah, that. And also like actors aren't promoing their stuff. So we're just, stuff ah. is going to come out. Like winning time last night, I had no, for the most part, like I opened, I, I opened Mac. It's because the actors can't, aren't promoting That's stuff. That's the deal. So I just noticed they were playing winning time all day on HBO and I go, oh, I guess I knew, I think you might've said something during balloon party commercial break. Uh, anyway, I'm up against it here because uh, that's what the show does, and I do have to leave. So, I, so anyway, that happens. It was devastating, devastating. Like, it's great. It is honestly great that I can joke about it now. I don't know if I'll ever laugh about some of the stuff we went through on the radio show off air, honestly, for real, because it was that, you know, for lack of a term, rough. Yeah, tumultuous. Yeah, I mean, it. it yeah, it, it wasn't like funny stuff. Right. It was really, really rough. Uh, and I'm not talking about, like, tough to get through. I'm talking about, like, just bad, and that's as vague of a word as I'll use. Um, but with that said, 
this thing I can laugh about now, but I had to speak. I mean, who, what, what fucking school in Arkansas had me come speak to him at 22 years old? But whatever, I know I had to do it. And I am at, I mean, as low, you know, like, like what you talked about last week, like dumb shit you've done. And I was kind of like, I bet at 25, you probably don't have a, that much to choose from, mm-hmm. you know, right. unless you really fucked up when you were a kid. Right. So at that point, that was probably minus grandparents passing, and I think my grand, my dad's dad died when he was sixteen, but my mom's died in ninety six. So that's that's about as rough as I had had it. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, you know, part of you know becoming tough is is having to get hit in order to sure. to experience. So this is new for me to have. And I remember thinking, there's no fucking way I'm going to this grade school and speaking when I've been yanked off the air. I think I might lose my job. I'm whatever I am, twenty two or twenty three. I don't know what the fuck, and I remember, and it was, which I'm sure to the audience right now sounds so minor, but I remember doing that, and I remember thinking to myself, and I haven't thought about this since the day I did it, something happened, and I feel like I had just read Jack Buck's book, That's a Winner is the name of the book, major recommendation on that, and uh, Lucky Bastard, Joe Buck's book, um, both easy and great reads. And something happened, I feel like, now that I'm thinking about it, that Jack Buck had something happen but that he still appeared and like emceed a banquet or something like that. And I think I truly was thinking, what would Jack Buck do, even though I'm making what I'm making and right. I'm the number two or three guy in Little Rock. And I'm like, I got an re- obligation if I'm going to be in this business that I got to get, I just got to go through it and I got to show up and I got to act like everything is fine. And so I did it. I remember being really proud of myself. Now, nobody else knew about it because I certainly wasn't saying, hey, I've been yanked off the anchor desk because I'm, you know, the the GM thinks I'm talking about people beating off Mm -hmm. when I'm doing Arkansas stories. Um, My girlfriend at the time certainly knew it. But that I I just I mean, it might sound like such a dumb thing to mention, but I remember thinking that um, and being very proud that I did it. It wasn't like an accomplishment. It just was a really tough thing yeah i mean you got a crash course in compartmentalization 100 percent, man 100 percent. yeah i don't i don't necessarily think of like winning awards or money necessarily yeah. when this with, with this question when the pool holes jack clark thing which is for real like you know around about 10 years ago now when that was going on i know i've told this and i guess it can come off as a dig me and it's not necessarily an accomplishment so much as the equity i had with the people i worked with that I remember calling Brian because I went through everybody who was working at 920 and I called them so they can hear exactly what's going on. I mean, it's a national story and I'm just, you know, just just taking, just taking, you know, and I didn't even have any fucking thing to do with it, but it doesn't matter. It was written that I did and so I did, and therefore in the public's mind I do. My Twitter DMs and mentions were just hateful, death wishes, all kinds of shit, and emails. Uh, I'm sure I have those saved. Uh, And I remember calling, and I called everybody, uh, but I remember the Burwell one, and he had just done the sports reporters. Fuck, man, and Burwell would be gone. He died in 14. 14, December of 14. Yeah, God. Uh, so this is August of 13, and he had just done the sports reporters in Bristol. So he was up in, in Connecticut, so just doing his thing with ESPN. And I remember him saying, he goes, Tim, you could have your hand on my wallet in my pocket, and I would assume you're acting in my best interest. And I go, oh. It's the greatest compliment you can get. God. I'm just like, oh, that still hits me now, like 10 years later. Like, oh, that, yeah. that that means so much because, I mean, essentially, that's all you kind of have when right. it's all said and done is, you know, do people do people know they can count on you, that you're doing the right thing? And you might fuck up, but, you're, you know, you're honest and you're doing the right thing. Right. 
and especially in that moment, because I know how tough that moment was, um, that 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 meant a lot. Um, I guess the way, you know, you know, that we handled that. I think the way. Um, I don't know, it's, it is tough because this is kind of like, yeah, I shot 67. It's like it's just like it's like an Instagram post, right. you know. Um, I don't know. I, I want to answer it honestly, but I also am like really conscious. Like it sounds bright. So I guess if I were naming like awards or, you know, financial things, that would be braggy. So maybe this I tie it into things people are more aware of. Um, yeah, I, you know what? And also somewhat along those lines at 920, I mean, our nut because I wanted to put together the best lineup in the world, which I absolutely would not do now, and my reasoning isn't because I wouldn't want to do it. I now know from experience that the reality is there isn't enough advertising dollars. Like, you can have TMA. TMA, this isn't because I host it or you're on it. It's just what it is. TMA brings in X dollars. Well, just because TMA brings X dollars, you can't then prorate those dollars for the next seven hours of the day part or eight hours of the day part, i.e. 10 and A to 6P and go, okay, well, we make X from TMA, so therefore we can now multiply that because right. we're gonna make, it's not going to happen, in no. part because middays aren't going to bring in as much as drive time. That's just the way that it is unless you have a Rush Limbaugh kind of situation. Uh, and I'm talking about revenue. I'm not talking about content. Um, or uh, it, So that, that, that doesn't work. Point being... You know, we had this incredible lineup as far as talent goes. It oh, was, yeah. you know, and I, but I did that from a place of ignorance. I wanted to give the people the best product I thought we could give them. But then all of the money, or not all of the most of them, the money was in seven to 10. Mm-hmm. And people just weren't, they loved the shows. But, you know, like the show I always say that I think was the best show. You've probably heard me say it. What am I going to say? Uh, the show with Joe Strauss. Uh, Brian Burwell, and was it Chuck? Charlie Marlowe, Running yeah. Point. Yeah. That, that to a, me is a show that if all show. those guys were still around, and obviously Charlie still is, but Joe and Brian would pass away within a couple of years. Yeah. With Charlie Running Point, it's perfect because no disrespect to those guys, they'd be the first ones to say it, that they wouldn't be able to do it right. to keep the show moving the right way. Charlie's perfect at that. Yes. And then you got two guys who were comped because they got along so well mm-hmm. and also didn't give a fuck about any hate mail. Those motherfuckers probably got more hate mail than anybody ever in St. Louis sports media history. Yeah. Brian's was such racist shit. I got I got I got bigots when when I brought Burl on board. It's crazy. Unbelievable. And Strauss got it, but Strauss didn't fucking care because he thought a lot of the people were just stupid, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, for lack of a better term, and that's stupid. It's like uninformed. Right, right. And he's like, yeah, I don't care if you disagree. This is what's going on, and I know it because I'm there. Uh... You know, like like I remember him and Burwell laughing when not laughing, happy about it, but laughing like the day that the I think the LA Times had the story about Cronky buying the land, mm-hmm. and then Demoff says, "Well, stand by his land, all the, you know." And like, okay, are we are we now done with the thing that the Rams aren't moving? Because I know it's revisionist history, but a lot of people were saying there's nothing to worry thing to worry about, and those guys in TMA were. We're saying something that was not popular at a right. time when it was. Or at least discussing it. 100%. So anyway, at that time, and it's me and my wife, and we're the ones personally guaranteeing it. And and I remember, and this isn't a shot at my, at all, obviously it's not a shot at my wife. That would just be, you know, talk about kamikaze mission. But 
you know, she she's not in the trenches. She doesn't, you know, she's, she's in the trenches more than anybody. She's not in this portion of the trench going, then maybe you just have to let some people go. Because we, I mean, I was paying myself the equivalent of what I was making when I was working in Little Rock. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's yeah. what, because, because we didn't have any money. Right. And so the choice was, okay, well, these shows aren't bringing any money. We're three, six months into this thing. I got to let people go. But I'm like, if I do that, the same guy, let's say I'm letting Burwell go, the same guy who said I could have my hand on his wallet and be acting in his best interest, now I'm letting him go. Right. And even though I think he would probably understand it if I showed, hey, here's the numbers, it doesn't change it. I'm just like, we're not taking money from them for us. Even though we are now living, we're now, we're upside down. We're gonna make. We're gonna figure out the top line. We're gonna figure out the rev because we had a revenue problem. Mm-hmm. We're gonna figure out the top line, but people aren't gonna lose their jobs. Right. If people lose their jobs, it'll be because they're acting like jackoffs. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why people are gonna lose their jobs. Now, that's not how I would operate now, but I also would be transparent on the front end of what the expectations are, and the expectations aren't to give great takes and get great guests. The expectations are that you bring in money. Now, that is in part the responsibility of a sales staff, mm-hmm. but it's also the sales staff has to have a product to sell. And if your show doesn't have an audience, it's going to be, or deliver a return on investment for advertisers, then that's the way that it goes. I'm not running a charity. But now, I mean, a decade later, and I started to say this when we were looking at buying KF, and I was, if, the, if one show is bringing, this is why I'm kind of sympathetic to the college football thing. If college football is responsible for all the money, then I feel like college football should have a seat at the front of the, to the table. And if TMA is bringing in all the money, but then when the time came to cut people at KFNS, you're cutting people from TMA. That doesn't seem right to me, no. especially if it's personal, you know, which oftentimes it was. And there were a lot of oftentimes. And so that part then bothered me. But I look back on that and I'm proud that I did something that was tough financially and was against my own financial interests to not have people lose their jobs because I would have had to be the one to whack them. And I just didn't feel like it was right. I'd be like, okay, I'm the motherfucker who bit off more than I can chew. Right. Then it's my responsibility. I should be penalized. I got to fix it. I don't fix it by firing people. And I'm sure there's some business people who, who are listening to this going, God, you're a dumb son of a bitch, you know. But it was the principle of the thing, and I thought it was the right thing to do. And we did fix it, and we did thrive, which is why we got the deal that we got in 2016. But it's also why when somebody goes, well, why wouldn't you just hand the intellectual property of TMA over to whomever if you leave? You go, because I fucking lived it, and I kept the thing alive, and I personally guaranteed it, so I know what it was like. I know how much blood, sweat, and tears went into it, and so that's got value. So, you know, sorry. You'll have to recreate your own drops like Taylor Swift did if you want it. Um, or pay for it, one or the other. Right. That's, it's got a value, right. and, and I own it, and I took the chance, and I went through hell in order to, to, to get it from the fucking man and woman to 2023. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I look back on that and I'm proud of that. I mean, other stuff, you know, it would, would be so personal, I think right. that, uh, yeah. And it also, but I mean, but those, t- t- I, I suppose what I, I, and then this is the stuff that I respect Jackson is when somebody does something that they think is right, even though it's a sacrifice for them. Mm-hmm. I E people like, like the greatest generation. You just, yeah, you, you, we go off to fight for our country that's what we do right you know and i just go and also i'm going i wouldn't have the balls to do that god bless you guys you right. know and ladies for for doing that st- that kind of thing you know that's the ki- that 
for me, not saying that means it's the right or wrong, but that for me is the stuff that I admire and I respect. No doubt. And so when I think of those kinds of things, I'm like, oh, I did something there that, that was tough, whether it be the speaking at the school in Little Rock the day after I had been ripped off the anchor desk or uh, am I ripped off? I mean, metaphorically, she didn't actually walk out there. Um, but, uh, yeah, and the stuff that we went through with with uh, the start of 920, I mean, that thing was, that was circling the drain. I mean, in a big way. So when the whole public thought I was dying because of the Pujols Clark thing, the reality was, I'm like, I know, I know, th- I know the truth, and I know we have nothing to worry about on that. So that when it, I mean, it was a pain in the ass. Pain in the ass is light. It was, it was rough in the sense that what had been written was not accurate to what actually went on. Whatever you deal with that. What I'm looking at is expenses are X, and we are barely over 50 percent comparatively speaking in revenue which means we are minus I mean, minus 40 percent is probably what the number was right and on top of it my father was the general sales manager and you want to talk about the ultimate it's not like i'm like okay there's there's our situation I'm like i got a guy who is 66 uh-huh. who probably didn't really want his son to do this but he had been the general sales manager of inside stl for a number of years and now I'm going, oh, my God, what am I going to have to, you know, you know what I mean? That's a bad, it's huge. That, that, when I think of August 2013, anybody else will think of the Pools-Clark thing, and I understand it, and I get it, because it's titillating, and it's like, oh, there's Tim's one big fuck-up thing, even though Tim didn't do it, but it doesn't matter, it's attached to me, so whatever. I was living going, oh, my God, am I going to have to part ways with my father? That's what kept me up at night. Oof. And so the fact that we took it from where we were, even though it wasn't like it was his fault, I, the, the, the problem was me. Mm-hmm. I, I built out a payroll that we couldn't afford. Right. I was fucking Derek Jeter in the Marlins. You know, right. that's what I was. Eyes bigger than your stomach. Kind 100%. Of yeah. Now, I didn't do it going, oh, I just want to do, you know, I was thinking, well, we'll be able to sell it. And then right. it, and you go, oh, my God, this thing at best can do maybe three quarters of what the payroll is and so that is why a year later i'm doing morning drive with tma and afternoon drive with jim edmonds Mm -hmm. and running the whole thing i had to do it who else is going to fucking do it i'm the one who i caused the problem i got to fix the problem and that's that's just kind of period all right i gotta go jackson i enjoyed the episode yeah i came in as a live wire i don't think i said anything that's going to end my career today but maybe i did no 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 Thank you to our sponsors who make QFTA possible. That's Ryan Kelly, the Home Loan Expert. He's online at thehomeloanexpert.com. So do you ever think about buying a house when you were moving around, or are you still going in? No, not right now. Okay. Not I right think now. that's the right play. Yeah. I think yeah. that's right Certainly play. down the road and something I want to do. Yeah. But... Well, when you do, it's homeloanexpert.com. That's where you're going to go, and then you're going to get an insurer with James Carlton, carltoninsurance.net, loyal QFTA lemming. God bless him. Love James Carlton. I, I, he is for real. He is such a good insurance agent. He could cancel his buy. Uh and I'd go, yeah, not moving, right. you know, doesn't right. matter. So I'm not saying this because he's uh, advertising. Uh, we talked about Mark Hanna, uh, Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. And uh, they're online at stlouisacura.com and altontoyota.com. And uh, the secret number is 314-252-0029. John Bradley of the Appliance Discounters just uh, contacted me to reach out to them. And, uh, and of course, Design Air Heating and Cooling. Now, interesting on TMA this morning, and it is... August 7th, as Jackson and I are sitting in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios, Iggy said people are going to start, uh, 
are going to start uh, turning their heaters on. Mm. I think it's early. A little early. Just a tad. But if that's where you are, then I respect it. Yeah. Turn your heater on. Sure. At least uh, get it looked at. <laughs> with Design Air Heating and Cooling online at designairservice.com. That's the great Seth Goldcamp and his staff. And I'm a client. Doug Vaughn's a client. You ought to be one as well. Uh, time for us to shut it down for Action Jackson. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been the Tim McKernan Show, QFTA, uh, August 7th, 2023, from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.